What's up, world? Welcome to the What's Your Thoughts on This podcast. I'm your host, Amir Ali. Today, we're speaking on a very heavy subject. The topic of today's show is, I was molested. And I'm sharing my story with you. What's up, world? Welcome to the What's Your Thoughts on This podcast. I'm your host, Amir Ali. I'm an opinionated fat boy from the west side of Detroit. I was groomed in Chicago and shaped in New York. But in my heart, Paris is home. Join me on my quest to get answers and gain clarity on a plethora of controversial topics, current events, and political issues. It's a lot going on in the world that I want to discuss. So please, take a listen and tell me your thoughts. Tell me what's your thoughts on, what's your thoughts on this, what's your thoughts on, what's your thoughts on this, what's your thoughts on, what's your thoughts on this, what's your thoughts, what's your thoughts on So, I'm discussing this because my friend Barris reached out to me, who said, Ali, I think we should discuss some of the things that we experienced in our childhood. At first, I was apprehensive and I said, Mm, I don't know. Then I was ready. And then Bear said he wasn't ready. So we waited to have our conversation. You will hear the conversation with Barris and I later on in the show. But right now, it's time for my story. For my subscribers, for everyone listening, I want to warn you. Um, it's a pretty graphic story. So there may be some trigger warnings for you. If you think that this may be a little bit too deep for you or too hard to listen to, then you don't have to listen. But subscribe. (laughs) I hope my story and me being so vulnerable and sharing my story, I pray that it will help someone else. Because we need to stop being silent about these things. But I'm going to get right to it. I was molested. I was molested not once, not twice, not three times, but by four different people. Today, I'm going to speak about the one I remember the most and the one that hurt the most. I was five years old. I was an only child and I lived with my mother. And I had a pretty happy childhood for the most part. I got everything I needed and mostly everything that I wanted because I was an only child. I could ask for things and receive them like McDonald's (laughs) Um, and, you know, just other little things. If I went to the store, my mother was pretty good of having balance and saying no. But, you know, I knew what to do and to say to sometimes get those things that I wanted. Because my mother worked, I had a babysitter. And my babysitter, gonna just call her Samantha. And Samantha would watch me. She was a pretty girl, a pretty brown skinned black girl who um, I believe she was 17, 17, 18 years old. And Samantha watched me, but Samantha would have boys over often 
And when she had boys over, um, she no longer was watching me, but she had a younger sister and a younger brother. And I would play with her younger sister. And because I was the only child, I loved playing with her younger sister because it was, you know, someone to play with. Her brother, who I believe at the time was 15, 16, um, I didn't play with him much because I was five, you know. The younger sister, Marcella, I believe Marcella was seven. And I would play with Marcella. And, you know, we would just have a good time. Well, because Marcella and I were friends, I would come over to her house and I was like one of the family. And I would spend time with them outside, even even when my mother was not at work, you know, just because we were friends. And I remember one day Johnny um, being very nice to me. And it was cool because I didn't have a male figure around. My father and I weren't extremely close. I, I heard from him every once in a while. I spent many nights waiting for him to come and he didn't. But on those days that he did come, I was very excited because as a a, a male, I, I, I wanted my father, you know, to be there, but he wasn't. So when Johnny showed me some attention, it felt good in a lot of ways because I was like, wow, you know, someone likes me. Someone is my friend, you know, because I was an only child. So it felt great to have a friend who was older, someone that I could look up to, someone that I could play with. So what happened is, is that I went downstairs. Johnny asked me to come downstairs. Johnny's bedroom was in the basement. I went downstairs and Johnny said, come here. I was like, okay. So I went to him and he started to perform oral sex on me. And it was confusing because I really didn't know what was going on. I didn't know how to feel. Um, I just didn't know what to do. So after he performed oral sex on me, he made me perform oral sex on him. And I did not like it. I thought it was disgusting. I thought it was nasty. I didn't like the smell. It was just horrible to me. Then Johnny told me to lay down. And he put a whole bunch of oil or something just on my, my thighs. And... That didn't bother me so much because I was like, oh, okay, well, cool. You know, I'm not having to put my mouth anywhere. He's not, he doesn't have his mouth on me. But then he laid on top of me and he started to pump me in between my thigh. And I didn't know what was going on. So I was just laying there, but I guess that wasn't enough. And he told me to go on the stairs and he said, get on the stairs. So I got on the stairs. And when I went on the stairs, um, he proceeded to penetrate me. And I just remember the pain being severe. It was so painful. It was so painful, so painful. And I didn't know what to do. Um, I was crying, but I knew not to scream. It was hurting, but I knew not to be too loud. And next thing I know, I just started bleeding. 
And he was like, you bleeding, you bleeding. And I was just like, oh. And I just pulled up my pants and I ran home. I ran all the way home. And my mother was like, what's, what, what's wrong? Why are you running home? And I said, oh, well, Ma, I'm, I'm just, you know, I got to use the bathroom, you know? So she didn't question it. And I went in there and I started crying, but I was bleeding so badly that it was blood everywhere. So I had to come up with a lie to protect Johnny and protect myself because I thought that I would be in trouble. You know, at a young age, when you do things that you know are not right or when you're involved in things that you know that are not right, even if you are not the one responsible, you don't want to suffer the consequences because you're not for sure if the consequences were mean that you're going to get a spanking or you're going to get a whooping. And so I stayed in the bathroom and my mother like knocked on the door because I was in the bathroom for a long time. And she said, hey, what's going on? I said, mom, I'm trying to use the bathroom, but it's not coming out, you know. And so finally, I used all the tissue I could and tried my best to clean it up. Because at a young age, you know, I was doing chores and stuff. So I knew how to clean up things. And I knew that I needed to put my underwear in the wash machine. And I knew how to do all of that. So I came out the bathroom. My mother said, are you okay? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm fine. But I felt horrible. I felt bad. I felt sad. I felt confused. I didn't know what really had took place, but I just felt like it was wrong. I felt like it was wrong. And what I did, I should not have been doing. So after that, Johnny started to be my ally. If when we were on the block and if anyone said anything to me or did anything to me, he was always there. He would protect me. So I was like, oh, okay, well, Johnny really is my friend. So then I would go over to the house willingly and do different things. And it's weird because it was just, it didn't hurt anymore. You know, it didn't hurt anymore. And I don't know if it didn't hurt anymore because I liked the fact that somebody was giving me attention or it didn't hurt anymore just because I wanted it. I don't know. But at five years old, can you really want something? Should you really want it? You know, but being an only child and not having my father around or really a male figure, it was male attention. And I thought that the attention that he was giving me, it felt good eventually. <sighs> so what started to happen is Johnny would draw pictures of how he wanted me to be positioned and ways that he wanted me to lay. And um, I just remember that just going on. I don't know how long, so I won't say a time, but I know for sure it was more than months, like more than like a month or two. And it just got to a place where I was just like, I don't like this anymore. <laughs> and so um, I went home. I said, Ma, I don't want Samantha to watch me anymore. And she was like, why? I was like, I just don't like going over there. You know, I don't like it anymore. And my mother surprisingly said, okay. Now I still played with Marcella. I still would see her, but I no longer um, wanted Samantha to watch me anymore. 
So I didn't go in the house anymore. I would just play with Marcella outside. One day, because I, again, I was friends with the family, I went back into the house and Johnny asked me to come downstairs and I was like, no. And then, however, I, I, I went downstairs. And this particular day, he did all of the things that he usually would try to do to get me into the mood. And I just was like, no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And so what happened is, you know, Johnny at that time started calling me gay and started calling me all kind of fags and stuff. And I was like, you know, whatever. So then um, I just like ran upstairs. And then um, that's when, you know, a lot of the other molestations started taking place with other people on this block. Because what I didn't know at that time is Johnny was molesting other people. And because he was molesting other people that were around his same age, that were like 16, um, they knew that I was one of his victims. So they chose to victimize me. I'm not going to go into those stories. But for a long time, I blamed myself because when I wanted it to stop, I stopped it. And I said, well, why did I allow it to go on for so long? Was my need for attention, was I so desperate for attention that I just um, allowed that, you know? And I just, you know, would like to say, I I share this story because um, it's a lot of people who are molested every day. A lot of males who are molested by other males. And we don't want to say anything because we don't want people to think different about us. We don't want people to judge our sexuality. We don't want um, anyone to look at us as weak. And um, all of those things I felt, you know, I questioned myself about um, why I allowed it to happen. Um, It made me view other people as attractive that I didn't view as attractive before. And it made me a recluse sexually. Um, It made me not want to have sex. It made me look at sex as a bad thing for a very long time. And just to kind of extend the story, I told my mother at 16 years old, I told my mother at 16, I said, hey, ma, you know, let's have a talk. And I told her that I was molested, you know, and I, you know, I told her other things. We just had, we had a big talk that day. And I told her and I said, hey, mom, I was molested. And she said, who? And I gave her details and I told her, I didn't tell her all of the other people who molested me. But um, because I know she would have felt bad, extremely bad about that. But um, yeah, um, I told her and she was very sad and very hurt. But telling her was very freeing. And telling this now, I don't want to say it's freeing is a little embarrassing. But like Barris was so brave, as you guys will hear in the second part of this to share his story. So I definitely wanted to come on and be as brave as he was and to share my story. I still deal with this today. I was looking at the pictures that I was going to post for this. The picture that you will see of the house, it brought back so many memories. And when I saw that house, I said, wow, that's when so many things started. That's when I started staying in the house. That's when I learned how to keep secrets. And it's funny, a lot of my friends love me because I keep their secrets. 
But what they don't know is I learned at a very early age, keeping my own secrets, how to now keep their secrets, you know? And that's when I started eating too for comfort or getting different things too for comfort. And I stopped wanting to be on the basketball team or wanting to play football. I didn't want other men to see me naked. It wasn't because I was embarrassed about my size or anything, but I had been molested by so many men that I felt naked in front of them. I felt like I shouldn't be. I felt like a woman does when she's naked in front of men. So I didn't play any sports. And I told my mother I just didn't want to do it. I wanted to. I'm very competitive. But it it affected so many parts of my life. It's affected some of my relationships. It's made me have a need and a desire. Like I'm sometimes extremely needy. And I don't always understand it. But it's, it's like someone can tell me that they love me. But I need for them to show me. And I need to them, for them to really show me. <laughs> I don't always believe it because of the past. I, I mistook sexual favors when I was being molested as that someone loved me and that they liked me. So it really fucked me up a lot, even still to this day. And um, it's something that now that I'm discussing, because I really didn't realize how much I'm still affected by it now until talking about it until seeing the pictures of me in the house. And the first thing that I looked at was my eyes. <laughs> I looked at my eyes because I was in so much pain. I was in so much pain and I was so sad and no one knew. So I say to parents, please listen to your children. Please look for noticeable differences in their behavior. Look for things that are just out of the ordinary in your child. Because looking back, my mother probably could have figured it out, but she was working and she was doing different things, you know? She was young and I wanted someone to know. I wanted someone to find out so I didn't have to tell someone. So now I'm telling you. I'm telling you because if you're thinking about doing this, please don't. If it's happened to you like it happened to me, know that one, you're not alone and it's not your fault, but please get some help. But if you know that it's happened to someone, if you believe that it's happening to someone, do something. To not do something is just as bad as the act itself. Because if you know or you think that it's happening, it's your duty to find out if something is going on. Ring the alarm. Do whatever it is that you need to do. But I wish someone would have done it for me on my behalf. Because after Johnny, it was Nikki. It was Dewan. It was Lacan. It was a lot of people. A lot of people. So that's my story. Thank you for listening. Brother Barris Edwards, thank you for coming on the show today. How are you? 
I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me for the second time. Yeah, it's second time and, you know, hopefully many other times, but second time for a different time this time. Yes, yes. <laughs> so today's show is a little interesting and a little different because um, we are speaking about something that has happened to many people, but definitely in I don't want to say in a black household just, but in a lot of households, it's something that people don't talk about. So we wanted to make sure that we spoke about it because we know a lot of people are also going through this. So I'll jump right in and I'll say you were molested, correct, Barris? Yes. Okay. And how old were you when you were molested? Um, I don't remember this exact age, but I know I was in elementary school I want to say younger than 10 years old but probably older than five closer to 10 probably okay so around seven ish yeah we can say that okay and where did you grow up Barris born and raised in Miami Florida what's up to Miami but okay so you lived with both your parents or just your mom at that time my parents were if they weren't divorced already then they were probably starting to um starting that whole process of divorce so i don't remember if they were really together but i'm pretty sure during that time when it happened my mom was always working my dad wasn't really there so we would stay after school at a family friend's house who would watch over us until my mom was able to get off of work or my dad was able to come get us okay so when you say we it was yourself and your mom or it would be you um, when you got out of school and then your mother when she would get there? No, it was me and my younger sister. So we would both be in okay. we were both in elementary school and then we would go to this friend's family's house um, until my parents w- were able to get us. Okay. So do you mind sharing with us what happened when you were molested or how you were molested? Yeah. I don't remember how it started. I don't remember how many times this happened. But I'm pretty sure it was a one-time thing from what I can remember. And all I remember is the exact acts that we were doing, the sexual acts that we were doing. And I just remember that, honestly, I wasn't in pain at all, like any type of pain. There was no mental pain. There was no emotional pain when this was happening. Like I wasn't, I don't feel, I don't think I was being forced. I don't think I was... Well, be, before we go there, though, Barris, so what happened? You said it was the child of the person's house that you would stay at, correct? Yeah. So it was we had a family friend, a, a friend of my mom who watched over us, and it was her son that did the molesting. OK, so were you friends with him? If I was in elementary school, I want to say he was probably like in middle or high school, man. So it was a bigger age difference. And so we weren't really friends or anything like that. He was, if anything, he was like a babysitter. Okay. But did you like this person? Was he someone that you thought was cool that you remember? Or did you have? I want to say I liked him, I guess, because I didn't have any older brothers or anything like that. So at the time, I guess I probably viewed him as an older brother, an older sibling or something like that. So I'm pretty sure I liked liked him at the time. Yes. So how did he approach you before the molestation happened? Did he ask you to come with him in a room or or what happened? Honestly, I don't remember how anything started. I don't 
I really don't remember a lot of it. All I remember is we were in his room and then I think he was making me do things to him first. I don't remember how it started. I don't remember how we got into it. I just remember what exactly happened. So he made you touch him? I say I remember the acts, but I don't really remember the acts. I just feel like this is what happened. But I think he made me give him oral sex. And then I think he made me like just touch him in all his places. So he made you do those things to him. Did he do anything to you? Honestly, I don't remember. If anything, he probably touched me, but I really don't remember if he did anything to me. And when it was over, what happened? Did he leave out of the room? Did he make you leave out of the room? What occurred? I know that this is going to sound funny, but one thing I vividly remember is that something smelled bad. So I just remember that I wasn't being forced and it wasn't like a bad thing going on. So I'm pretty sure the way he did things, he made it comfortable. He made it like a positive thing. Um, He made the environment. So if that makes sense, like, I don't know how to say it, but... No, no, I, I get it. He he had your trust and he made you feel comfortable in that situation. Yeah, yeah. He didn't do anything to you. He only had you do things to him. Yeah. Okay. And so when this had concluded, the next day that you saw him, do you remember what the atmosphere was like? Were, were you guys still friends? What Did he treat you differently? I don't remember, I don't remember a lot after that. Now, I I know that we used to go there a lot when we were younger, but I honestly, I don't know when we stopped going there. I don't know how long, like, I don't know at what point in time that this whole molestation happened. I don't know if it was like in the beginning of going there. I don't know if it was in the end. So I really, I really can't tell you what happened after. But what I do know is I don't think anything bad happened after because I never really had any negative like things mentally about this after it happened. And that's probably weird to say, or maybe I did and I just wasn't aware that there were negative things, but I really, I don't remember anything bad happening after. So I don't know, maybe he made me feel so comfortable in the moment that I probably didn't, I didn't see it as a bad thing. So I had no reason to feel bad about it. You said it didn't happen again, or you're not for sure if it happened again. I can only remember one incident when that happened. I so I, I don't I, I don't want to say it happened multiple times because I really can't remember. But I for sure remember that one time. It makes me believe that I guess it only happened one time since that's all I can remember. Okay. And did you ever tell anyone about the experience? No, I never told anybody. So to this day, no one knows. No, now people know. The first person I told about this was the girl that I was dating when I was about. I want to say like 2021, my first real relationship is what I like to call our relationship with that girl. And she was the first person I ever told. And I think the reason why I told her was just to like, I was just like starting to open up to her. So it wasn't like something bad happened and then I told her about it. It was just me, you know, bringing her into my life. So she was the first person I ever told about anything about that. So how, as an adult and knowing that that you had that experience because you are a straight male who dates women, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So having that experience, when you became an adult, how are you feeling and how were you feeling about having that experience? 
Okay, so ever since that situation happened, like I said earlier, I never really felt bad about it. I never Okay. It never it never messed with me mentally. As far as I can tell, like consciously, I don't think it messed with me mentally. But like I never even thought about it. The only times I ever thought about that whole situation is whenever I heard like let's say I see I don't know, I'm watching a movie and then someone gets molested in the movie or if I hear some kind of news about somebody being raped, if I hear some kind of news about somebody being raped, those are the only times I would think about that whole molestation situation. But even then, I never really felt bad about it. I never felt like hurt. Like I would think about it and I'll be like, "Damn, I could relate because that shit happened to me." I don't feel like it hurt me in a bad way. As weird as that sounds. But I, I but now I, I feel like I I think I do. Now that I'm more aware, I believe that it caused me to have a lot of the relationship issues that I had like because before I got to where I'm at now in life, dealing with like multiple partners. I was always with a, a random person, like sexual relationships, right? I was always with a new girl. I could never stay with one person and it was 100%. It was just sexual relationships, you know? And then as soon as I get tired of being with someone sexually, I would feel like I need to move on. And I've been doing that since I first became sexually active. Looking back on it now, I'm pretty I guess maybe the molestation affected that in a way, like it made that happen. How old were you when you had your first uh, sexual experience? Honestly, man, I was 18. It was the last day of high school. So why now? Why talk about this now? It's been on my mind for the longest. I always felt like I should say something about it. But the reason why I never said anything about it is because, like I said, it never really hurt. Even when I think about it, I don't feel bothered by it. So I guess I kind of felt like I had it under control. So there was no reason to tell anybody. And then... The fact that I know that if I'm gonna tell somebody, it's most likely gonna be my mom. And the way my mom was when I was younger and the way she kind of still is, she's the type of person that if she doesn't have to know about something bad, she will do everything she can to not know about it. She's like an ostrich, put, put your head in the sand, right? So that you don't see the bad stuff going on. So I knew that if I would have brought this up to her at that age, I guess, or to anybody, most people wouldn't want to hear it. And the ones who do hear it are probably going to want to do something about it. And I guess I was just trying to keep the peace. So I thought, you know what? It's best to just keep it to myself. That way there's no issues and nobody has any problems. So I think throughout throughout life, I just had that same mindset about it the whole time. But I always knew that I should probably talk to somebody about it because I don't know. I mean, why would you not? And then as I get older, obviously we know that you should talk about things that bother you. So when I first started going to my mental health counselor, and it had nothing to do about this, it was about my military stuff and all that. She got me to start opening up about my military experiences and then also, you know, like childhood trauma stuff. And then that was the second person I ever told about the molestation. The first person was the girl I was dating. The second person was my mental health counselor at the age of 26 or 7. Okay. Now, does your mother know today? So I went back home like two or three years ago. And I, I eventually, I told my sister. And I told my sister and she was she was able to, she heard me out and she understood everything. And I told her, I think I need to talk to my mom about this. I think we need to let her know because... My mental health counselor also told me that it's probably best if I talk to my mom about this. That way it can finally get off my chest and 
whatever. So I prepared myself for that moment and I planned that when I go home, I'm gonna talk to my mom about it and I'm gonna just finally get it out there. So I finally go home and I'm with my mom and I let some time pass by because I didn't want to just throw it out there. I was waiting for the right moment to hit her with it. So I found a good time to do it. My mom, she's a smoker. She likes to smoke outside and all that. So she's smoking and she likes to just chill out. I go out there and I just chill with her. And I have my sister come out too. That way my sister can kind of like back me up with the pressure or whatever. So I start talking about, you know, just, just random stuff in my life. And then I'm like, can I tell you something that I feel like I need to tell you? And immediately she had like a concerned look on her face, right? Because she knows that something's about to come that she's not really trying to hear. So she says, what? And she looks at me. And of course, I'm not even gonna lie. I was nervous. I felt like I was in the principal's office and I'm in trouble. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So I was, yeah. I, my, my palms were sweaty. Um, my heart was beating. My throat was getting dry. My, my mouth didn't want to say the words that I wanted to say, all that, all the scared feelings and everything came. And then I just did it anyway. I, I don't remember what I said exactly, but I just said, I was, you know, I was molested when I was younger. And then she like was quiet for like a second or two. And then she looked at me, she said, what do you mean? Or like, who did it? And then I was like, I was molested. I mean, what do you mean what I mean? I was molested when I was younger. And then she kept asking who did it, who did it, who did it? She was getting angry. And I didn't want to tell her who did it because the first, like, I already know my mom. My mom likes to jump to conclusions. She doesn't like to listen. She just wants to be all dramatic and use her emotions first. I didn't want her to know who it was because I didn't, I didn't want any problems. I didn't want her to go try to figure some shit out. I didn't want her to try to yeah. make anything happen. But she really didn't want to hear anything else until I told her who did it. So eventually, I said who it was. I told her exactly, it was the lady's son who did it. She paused for a second, and then she was like, well, did you tell anybody? Does anybody know? And I said, no, I didn't tell anybody but my mental health counselor. And then she's like, good, don't tell anybody. He has kids now, and hopefully the same thing happens to his kids, because that's not right. Now, before, in my mom's defense, I do want to say this. She said that out of anger. She said that out of, you know, all those negative feelings. I do understand that. But I do want to say in her defense, I know for a fact she did not mean what she said. She did not mean, yeah. she didn't, she did not mean that. I, I want to say for the record, I know she didn't mean that. But after I try to get over all that and I, you know, I said, okay, now you know, so can we please talk about it? And then my mom, she didn't want to talk about it. She did not want to hear anything. She was getting uncomfortable. She was getting flustered. She was getting angry. She literally started getting mad and started to scream at me to stop talking about the situation. What was the conversation that you wanted to have with her about it? I asked her, I said, don't you want to know like what happened or like, don't you want to know anything? And she's like, no, I don't want to know. You know, you don't just don't tell anybody and then just blah, blah, blah. I'm like, but, but I want to talk about it. Like, I, you don't have to feel bad. Like, I, I let her know. You don't have to feel guilty. You don't have to anything because I don't even feel that. And I'm not I'm not talking to you so that you can feel guilty. I, I, I clearly let her know that that was not my intention. And I just want to talk and I want to get some understanding because I feel like we need to get over this hump. And she just, she just didn't want to do it. She actually 
she it bothered her so much that she actually got up and left and had to go cool down somewhere and that's when me and my sister we looked at each other and we were like i mean we laughed about it we we're like damn like because i already knew i knew this would happen and i i told my sister i told my doctor this as well i was like i already know my mom she doesn't want to hear about things if she doesn't have to so i know this is not going to go anywhere but looking back on it now even though we didn't have that conversation the way i wanted to have it and we honestly we never spoke about it since then at the time i felt like nothing like this was pointless but looking back on it now i think i got exactly what i needed from that situation and i believe my mom did too i i, dis- I disagree I, I mean the outcome now may be good but I think, you know, in, in situations like that, it's really important to listen to our children because your outcome could have been different. You know, I know kids who have committed suicide after being molested or when they told their parents and they didn't listen, they did different things, you know, to themselves, self-harm and, you know, or just depression and different things like that. But, you know, I, I can understand also, you know, being a parent, hearing something like that you know it's easy for us to say it's not your fault but as a parent you would feel as if it is your fault if something happened to your child on your watch you know so i i can understand both sides as well that's what i'm saying i the perfect way to handle that would be yes she would be willing to talk about it and we can both get closure on it that would be the perfect way to do it but i think See, I, I don't know. When it comes to me and the way I live my life, I don't need the perfect answer to be perfect. Especially when I know that I didn't want to talk about it this whole time because I didn't want to make anybody feel some type of way. Especially when I feel like it no longer bothers me. But, you know, I said, okay, let me try to get it on the table. Let me try to do things the right way. So I tried that and it didn't turn out the way I wanted to. So now the next thing I can do is I can probably keep trying and keep trying to get her to talk about it. But I don't know. If you really want to if you really want to help me fix something, I shouldn't have to beg you, right? Because if you want to do it, you would do what you have to do. So especially if I tell you that I would love for you to do this. So I don't know. I feel like I got what I needed. If she's willing to do that, if we need to do that, I mean the door is open because I've already, you know, I'm I'm very open about everything. I don't know that I would say that you got everything you needed because in hearing you speak and with the passion in which you're speaking with, it sounds as if you even now need more from her about the situation, even if it's just to be heard. And I know at times, sometimes we say we don't need certain things and that's a defense mechanism that we build and that we've built, you know, to kind of protect ourselves. But see, here's the thing about life and our parents. They didn't know how to be parents. They became parents, you know, so they don't do everything right. They make mistakes. And with that being said, if it is something that you need from her, it's not a problem with approaching her even till this day and asking to have the banter about it. But sometimes when we say that things that they don't affect us, the other person feels as if, oh, it's not bothering you. Then we don't need to talk about it, you know? So you have to ask that question to yourself is if you really do want to have this conversation with your mom and did you really get everything that you needed from her? 
And if you didn't, then you can see whether or not you guys can have that conversation and you can meet her where she is. And then hopefully she can then listen to you. That's something that's very hard, very hard to hear. And, you know, everyone listening to this, they would have heard my story that I shared about my molestation. But it is very hard for a mother, a parent to hear those things, especially hearing that their child was taken advantage of, to hear that their child was raped, to hear that someone else did something to their child when they were around. It's no way a parent won't say, why wasn't I there? Why didn't I know about this? Why didn't I recognize the change? So your mother's response is probably similar to a lot of parents' responses because they instantly blame themselves. And in some ways, I don't want to say it's their fault, but in some ways it, it, is, it is good for, for them to see as well some things that they may could have done differently. And that's the reason for this episode is for the parents whose children are starting to exhibit a behavior they don't understand. Their kids are doing things that they don't normally do. Because as a male, it is very hard to tell your parent that another male did something to you. It is very hard because you understand the world that we live in and people will start to question things about you that you didn't necessarily even question, but they start to think things because of something else. And I want parents to hear and to understand you have two males here that were molested. Okay. And neither one of us told anyone. No one came to us asking us if something had happened to us. So it's very important for the listener to to understand is this happened. And I knew instantly when it happened to me that it was wrong, but I felt bad because I, being an only child, in some senses, I was happy to feel wanted by someone. I felt happy that someone wanted to play with me. Because being an only child, I had to find friends. I had to find people to play with. I didn't have a ready-made playmate and a brother or sister. So in some ways, when I got older, I felt so bad because I felt as if I wanted it. And I was just like, wait a minute. You know, I had to come to myself and say, you know what? Because what was funny in my situation is when I was ready for it to stop, I stopped it. You know, when it was I was done, I was just like, you know, this is this isn't, you know, something that I want to do anymore. And I stopped it. And as an adult, I asked myself, why didn't I stop it earlier? Did I like that? And I blamed myself, you know, for so long. And that's another reason why I wanted to have this discussion, because I wanted other males, you know, uh, females as well or, or young ladies. But I'm really speaking to the males and the parents, because when it occurred I really just didn't, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I blame myself a lot. Still, sometimes I do um, blame myself because I say I should have stopped it a lot earlier. And I want all of the kids that are listening or the parents to listen and say, it's not your fault. You know, it's not your fault. 
it's not your fault. I actually, something that I, I haven't really talked about to anybody outside of my immediate circle though. Now that I'm thinking about this molestation, since I was sexually active, I've probably had sex. I've had sex a lot, multiple partners, all that. But I've probably only had sex sober maybe like two or three times my entire life. Now, this just came to my this just came to my head. I'm pretty sure the reason why I cannot have sex sober, and even to this day, like with the girl that I'm dating now, who she's fully aware of all of this as well. Yeah, there's there's times where, and she can vouch that. It's very hard for me to have sex sober. I don't think about any of the molestation stuff. I, I think about a lot of negative stuff. I think I just think in general, and that's what makes it hard for me to have sex. But maybe, I guess maybe the molestation did that. Like it messed me up to where I can't have sex sober, and I need to be drunk or I need to be high in order to have sex because then maybe sober sex reminds me of the time when I was molested or something. I don't know. So when you when you say that you have difficulties having sex sober, is it that you don't rise to the occasion? What happens where you can't have sex sober? I'm in my head a lot. Uh, there's a lot of overthinking. There's a lot of all of that. And so I'm assuming when I have when I have sex, you know, I think about the, the basic stuff like, oh, am I going to be able to perform enough? Am I good enough for her? Like those thoughts come in too, but it's a lot of everything. Sometimes I just don't have the interest to have sex. Sometimes it gets up, but then I can't keep it up. Sometimes it just, it's just very hard for me to have sex sober. And I don't know, now thinking about it, I'm pretty sure the molestation probably has something to do with it. It probably did because, you know, I don't drink or smoke or anything, but I do know that I've always looked at sex as something that was dirty. Mm -hmm. And still to this day, you know, I feel so bad anytime I have had sex or anything. And that's why I don't. Um, I masturbate usually, you know, and, and listen, people not trying to be graphic. We're just being, you know, two people have an honest conversation. Real, but, bro, it's as you know, as it gets. Yeah, yeah. But if I'm if I'm being honest, the times that I, I have had sex, I've always felt bad afterwards. And I always thought it was because, you know, I'm a Christian. So I said, well, maybe it's because I'm not married that I feel bad. But even when I was in long relationships and engaged, you know, I still felt a little dirty. Yeah, I felt bad. Um, and I And I think maybe that is because of what occurred you know, to me multiple times. I wasn't just molested once. I was molested probably like four or five times by different people. You know, if I'm being honest, for me to have sex, usually I'm fueled by the feeling of wanting to ejaculate, you know? So it's like, you know, I can hug, we can kiss and we can chill and we don't have to have sex. Mm -hmm. We can just be, you know, I actually love just being. But then the time when it does come and it's like, ah, Okay, I'm fueled by that. When it's done, it's over. Let's clean and let's go back to doing what we were doing. Like, I'm not really one of those people who we sit. Uh, some people call it sitting in the sauce or just sitting and chilling and then maybe, you know, doing something else again. And, and that's not me. For me, it's like once that has happened, then I feel dirty. Honestly, that's how I am, too. I wouldn't say I feel dirty, but I don't like sitting after sex like I gotta get cleaned up and go back to normal so I think I can relate to that with you yeah so you and I spoke about having this conversation many times and we weren't ready 
at one point, and then it was a point where you weren't ready. After having this conversation now, how do you feel? I'm an open book and I have no problem talking about everything. The reason why, like I felt like I wasn't ready, well, I guess I really wasn't ready. Like I started getting nervous and all that. And I, and honestly, the, the main reason why was I was afraid of being judged, which is crazy because everything I do already is like, I don't care about judgment. But then when it came to this, I was really caring about judgment. So what judgment did you feel would come from sharing your story? Uh, I'm pretty sure you can relate, man. When you're living in your truth, it bothers a lot of freaking people. And it, and I'm not even talking about bad truth. I'm talking about the most positive truth of your life. You can express to people and some people take it the wrong way or they're not ready for yeah. it or whatever. So that is what I, because doing what I do online, like I, I'm not, I speak on whatever I feel like I need to speak on. I don't care how people think, but for this one topic, it really did bother me. Like I was like, damn, like, I know people might hate me for whatever, but I feel like people hear this for some reason. It just, I don't know. I just, I felt too vulnerable. I felt like people are going to, oh my God, Barris was raped. Oh my God, Barris was molested. Like, I, I just don't like when people act funny around you or they like walk on eggshells around you or they try not to hurt your feelings or I don't like when people do that. So I know that if I speak on certain topics, I know people are going to act like that. And that bothers me. This is this is very traumatic for us. This is something that we 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 went through. Someone took something from us, you know, and it you have to speak about it in your time. And it is totally OK that this is the time that was OK for you, because, you know, this is the right time when it occurred was the right time. But I do have a question, Barris. So when was the last time that you saw your molester? It's probably since I was a kid. So clearly my mom still knows about them and the fact that he has kids. So maybe my mom is still in contact, but I haven't been in contact with any of them, so I don't know. So what if young Barris or adult Barris, if you could say anything to that man, what would it be? What would you say to him right now if you knew that he was listening? I would like to actually sit down and talk to him, to be honest. And what would that conversation be like? What would you ask him? I, I don't have any negative bone in my body, so it's not going to be anything hate-filled. It's not going to be... I would legit... I would want to know what was going on. Like, why... So let's speak to him, Barris. Ask him those questions that you would ask him. <laughs> okay, uh... What was going through your mind? Like, what made you want to do that? Why did you do it? What made you want to do it? Like, what... That's it. Just why? Why? Yeah. That's That's it. Like... I'm telling you, I don't have any negative feelings. I don't have anything. Yeah. I really don't. And I just, yeah, I just want to know why, I guess. Like, what, what was going on? And even, like, if I can actually have this conversation with them, I can honestly have it with them, and then we can part ways and nothing, nothing wrong. Like, that's how I really feel yeah. about it. What's so funny to me is how protective people are of their uh, assailants. We always, okay, we're not going to say the name. Okay, I don't want to interrupt this person's life. And I don't want to do all of these things. It's so funny to me how we do that when those people didn't care that much for us. Why do you think we do that? Why do you think that we care so much about protecting the 
Mm, the the bad guys. Yeah. Why do Why do you think we we protect them so much um, when they didn't protect us? All right, I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm gonna tell you why I do that. I want to say from a young age, like even why I told you why I never said anything at the time. I wanted to keep things peaceful, and I think since a young kid, I've always been aware of how to keep the peace and how to mess things up. So I don't know, man. I just always been a forgiving person. Like I really don't know. I really don't know. Like if it, but yeah. if it happened to me, like if it was my son and I found out my son was just molested, I want to say I would still be forgiving, man. But I really don't know. Yeah, we can forgive after I beat your ass. I mean, you know, I mean, we definitely can forgive you, you know, once I beat your ass and call the police, you know, but definitely. Yeah, I definitely forgive you as long as you forgive me. Yeah, there has to be discipline. There's no, you know, we don't reward negative behavior. But yeah, I don't know. Like right now, man, I don't know why we protect them. I guess we just want to keep the peace. I, I don't know. Maybe somewhere inside me understands that. Because what's that saying? If you know, if you knew better, you do better, right? So I want to say that when people do these things, they really don't know any better. That's what I want to say, man. And, but and then the fact that if I was as young as I was, he was maybe middle school or high school. So then I want to throw in the fact that he was young. Maybe he was curious and he didn't really know what he was doing. But once again, I can't know this until I speak to him, right? So. I don't know. Man. Yeah, I really don't know. I mean, he could have been molested as well. I mean, a lot of people who were molested end up molesting a lot of people. Oh uh, yeah. So he could have been molested himself, but I mean, that still does not excuse him for what it is that he did. And that the the, the only reason why I want to speak to that is that there's a lot of women. You know, we when we speak about rape uh, or hearing about molestation, it's usually a, a woman that we hear about. But women, they do the same thing to their assailants. You know, they protect them and say, you know, well, maybe if I wouldn't have done this, then he wouldn't have done that. You know, that still doesn't excuse them to do that. It's just like when a woman has on a a low cut skirt or something, it doesn't give that person carte blanche to, to touch her or to do any of those things. That's still her body. And that person took something from you. And it could be tons of reasons why they did you know, but it still was wrong. Yeah. And we have to understand that, you know, because I don't want other people to hear this and they make those same excuses and say, yeah, you know what? He didn't know any better. He told me that he was sorry and it's not going to happen again. No, no, no. See, see, I can say now, I will say if this has happened to you or it has happened to you, I will say, even though I just said what I said, but I'm going to say, speak up as soon as you can. Don't let time go by because... I don't know. I'm saying that it didn't really hurt me, but maybe it did. But to even just to minimize any unnecessary damage, any unnecessary baggage, any unnecessary stress, just as soon as it happens, just try your best to hurry up and speak up about it because it can turn out worse than it did for me. You could possibly go through five or 10 years of depression and commit suicide because of it. You know what I'm saying? So don't wait. And I'm saying that yeah, I would want to forgive, but just like you said, justice still has to be served. And what yeah. what isn't right isn't right. It doesn't matter how much you love the person. If you're gonna want justice for one thing, you gotta have justice for everything. 
So don't hold it in. And yes, speak up as soon as you can. Definitely. Any last words, Brother Barris? At the end of the day, yes, I was molested at a young age. And I didn't speak about it because I didn't want to ruin the peace for anybody. And I felt like I could handle the pain that came with it. So I'll just hold on to it. But it's never right to hold on to pain. It's not It's not healthy to hold on to any type of pain. If you have to be secretive about it, then it's probably something you should get off your chest. It, it's just living life in your truth is 100% better than telling lies. So I want to put that for the general, for everything in life. It's way easier and less stressful to live in your truth than to continue living lies. Whether you're living lies for yourself or you're living lies for other people, just tell the truth. There's a timing, I understand timing, I understand you know when you're feeling right, which is why I say just as soon as possible. But try your best not to hold on to anything you don't want to hold on to. Because it can ruin your life directly or indirectly. You know, so why even take the chance, man? Just freaking get it out. Unfortunately, it took me a lot of BS to understand this. And at the age of 30 is when I'm really feeling like I'm coming into myself and knowing myself. But yeah, to tell anybody at a younger age, I'm telling you, please just start moving, start living, start speaking in your truth as soon as possible. Because life is 10 times easier that way. It's going to be hard in the beginning. But then it gets 10 times easier. And that's a freaking promise. That's like a promise. Like my life is the example. Your life is the example. A lot of people's lives are the example. Well, thank you so much, Bears, for uh, speaking to us, for being so candid and for being so honest. And if I'm being honest, what I will say to you is, I think this may have affected you in more ways than you believe. And that's okay. But acknowledging that, is where the healing starts and being receptive to what that conversation with your therapist may look like. Yeah, you're right. I'm so proud of you for speaking about it. I'm proud of you for being brave enough to talk about this. And I believe it will help so many people. So thank you so much for being, again, candid, open and honest and just, you know, allowing your life always to be a vessel to help other people. God sees it. I see it. And I thank you for it, brother. That's what I'm here for, man. I'm here for the people. Man, I'm, <laughs> I, honestly, that's my, I feel like that's my life. That's my thing. And I'm willing to do that until I die, man. So I'm here for people. As long as you understand, though, mm-hmm. that if you're here for the people, then you also have to be good for yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you can be here for the people. Yeah, because if I can't take care of myself, I'm not going to be able to take care of anybody else. So always... There you go. Always (laughs) make sure sure you got yourself before you try to get somebody else. That's a fact. There you go. There you go, brother. Thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, and as always, I want to say positive thoughts at all times. Stop playing yourself. Keep God first and your heart in the right place and you will always win. It's going to be hard, but it's definitely going to be worth it. That's a fact. That's what's up. All right, brother. Take care, man. Thank you, man. You too. If you are being molested, please tell someone as soon as possible. You don't have to deal with this alone. And always remember, it's not your fault. If you need someone to talk to, you can call the National Sexual Assault Hotline. It's free and they're available 24 hours a day. The number is 800-656-HOPE. Again, That's 
656-HOPE. You don't have to deal with this alone. That's our show for today. The music used during the interview of this episode, Sorry, Hardaway 160 and Beat 377 were produced by The Fifth Perspective. Sad Emotional Piano was produced by DS Productions and Sad Guitar and Violin was produced by Y Sand. Thank you for listening to the What's Your Thoughts on this podcast. We truly appreciate your support. Our show is produced by Amir Ali. Our theme song was written by Amir Ali, produced by Adrian Brundy, and performed by Enrico Delves. If you would like to be a guest on our show, or if you have a question or you want to provide some feedback, send an email to WITOTpodcast at gmail.com. Our podcast is available on all platforms, so make sure you subscribe to our show and follow us on social media. Be well, be safe, and be blessed. Until next time. Audio post production by Yaya Podcasting.